My name is Matt Brown. We fixed the glitch. And let's start the show. Conversations podcast as we play you on this special Friday edition of the show. This is Lionel Richie's All Night Long, a classic. Oh, when you hear this, you think of good times, the summer, dancing the night away, hanging out with your best friends, hanging out with your family, hanging out with your loved one, great vibes and memories you're making. This is exactly what a feel-good song is supposed to do. And talking about feeling good, I am so happy we are here on this special Friday edition of the Productive Conversations podcast, July 9th, 2021. How are we doing, everybody? I hope everybody's fantastic. I hope that this hurricane is not dampening your day or weekend. And I just hope for good times ahead for everybody. And before we get into the fun... And before we get back to the tweet cap with Ryan Page, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out all exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. 
Check out the merchandise store. Thanks to Zazzle. Check out all the links to our podcasts and platforms and YouTube links. Check out each and every single one of our podcasts and the video element to it. And also check out the blogs I've written, the digital shorts we've shot, and just check out everything Productive Conversations Podcast on our site. Again, that's ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. Also, let me add, don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. So that's what I have to say. Again, it's a special Friday episode of this show. We're doing only one show next week because I'm going on vacation, and that's going to be on Tuesday. Alex Young is coming back to talk baseball with me as we are at the All-Star break, and we're going to break down the midseason point of the MLB season with the Yankees pissing people off, including me, with the Mets surprising people and uh, bringing them joy. Plus, we go talk about Otani, some surprising teams, the sticky stuff situation. It's been quite the first half of baseball, and we're going to talk all about it with Alex Young on Tuesday. And today, Ryan Page is back. We're doing the tweet cap. We're talking the biggest news stories from the whole mess with ESPN going on with Woj and Rachel Nichols. We have the recent proposal for some areas in New York City to have 24-7 partying. We're going to talk about the new HBO mini, um, not the mini, the HBO documentary series called Music Box that is debuting this summer. And then Ryan has some very interesting stories as well for us all to take in. You know the deal as we make up the Miss Show next week and bringing it to today. This is the Tweet Cap, a recurring segment on the Productive Conversations podcast where me and Ryan Page go over the biggest trending stories on Twitter throughout the week. So having said that, Ryan Page, it is your turn once again. Let's get to it. Here we go. Everybody, it is a special Friday edition of the Productive Conversations podcast, and we're bringing in one of our great traditions of this show. Ryan Page, welcome back once again for another edition of the Tweet Cap slash Productive Conversations simulcast. So happy to have you. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm good. Happy to be here once again. This is uh, episode two of the reboot. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited. Um, I definitely like the new schedule. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I know you are. <laughs> I mean, you're Mr. Podcast, so you don't have the new schedule, but I have a new schedule, um, which is good because I think there's one thing that this show needs to be very upfront about. Sometimes you need to take a break yep. from Twitter. Today was one of those days, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, we can talk about it. We can talk about it. Yeah. Tell me about it. So as we know, obviously releasing this on Friday, July 8th, but sorry, Friday, July 9th, we're recording at the very end of Thursday, July 8th. Tell me, Ryan, what's been going on in the world of Twitter specifically today? And um, obviously yesterday's mess with Twitter. What's going on in the general sphere? I mean, the Twitter generally, sphere. Yeah. Generally today, I mean, I, you know, you're going to touch on some stories in sports world, but 
Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of accusations of racism mm-hmm. uh, running through sport the sports world. Um, we talked a little bit about some of that, not racism, but some of it last week uh, or our last episode, rather. Um, I don't know if you've seen the new iCarly on oh, uh, no. Paramount, but there was a whole no. bunch of people on Twitter who were uh, coming at one of the new stars of the show. Um, the one who replaced Sam, right? Well, she wasn't a replacement for Sam, but yes, or, or, the, 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 the person who is Carly's friend. Yeah. yeah, the person who is Carly's friend who is not Sam. Um, <laughs> a lot of people were, you know, again, and there's people who are going to be upset that Sam is not back, but uh, it's what it is. Like, yeah, she you know, retired from acting. Yeah, so. she's a person and she's done doing that. So you can't make her. Um, Jeanette McCurdy. And, Yes, Jim McCurdy, correct. And so, the, but also, uh, race shouldn't be one of the attacks, and yet they are mm-hmm. <laughs> for some reason. So, um, that's just headache. horrific. Um, the Sandy Hook parents were uh, received the deposition documents from Remington, the uh, gun manufacturer, for their case that contained eight, uh, what is it, 1,800 uh, miscellaneous pictures of cartoons and videos of gender reveal parties. Uh, and what was supposed to be a, you know, evidence what was supposed to be documents legally mandated by the court for the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what the professional legal team at Remington decided to send grieving parents. Yeah. So, and, and what's the uh, case for just for a case for people who don't know? Like, who's I mean, they're, who, so, they're exactly? suing Remington. Uh, this is the families of the, the Sandy Hook, the Sandy Hook victims. OK. And they're, suing, say, and they're suing Remington. Yeah, I want to say that it's for false advertising. Let me mm-hmm. look at that. Actually, I could probably pull that up real quick. Um, by the way, I said eighteen hundred is eighteen thousand. Um, so even yes. worse. And this one, I'll send you this picture. Um, in case you want to add it to your YouTube edit. Uh, one of them is in pretty bad taste, my opinion. Um, not that I mean they're all in bad taste, but. You know, one in particular is kind of grotesque. It's a minion that's chopped up. And it says filet minion. So it's supposed to be like filet mignon, but it's a, it's a minion. Um, it's amazing that this is what people decide to do their talents as artists for. Well, that, that I mean, the artist, I don't know who the artist is. This is lawyers sent these. Mm-hmm. This is lawyers uh, going back and forth. Um yeah, I'm not seeing it on this article. The CT Post has an article. That's where I got most of this from. But that's been trending uh, in the news, in the for you and in the news section. But I believe it was false advertising. So there's some sort of case there. It's been kicked around a few times. But I'm just like, it's one thing to go to court. It's another thing to like insert memes into a legal proceeding, uh, especially one that doesn't require them. And these are kids. So yeah. today was a depressing day on a. Well, actually, it started, it started off as a fine day because one of the things was the little baby. Have you yeah, seen I did. I did. I seen that story <laughs> is a uh, progress and we could start that as your first story before we get sure. into that. But yeah. um, uh, yeah, and it's uh, what a day. The rain, the hurricanes also rising up the yep. coast. <laughs> Hopefully doesn't not have, near us. Yeah, not near us. But, you know, for the people down in like. Uh, Florida, Carolinas, of Florida. It's always a tough time, man. That's really one of the reasons why I personally is like, do I really want to go to Florida? And there's a whole <laughs> time of year where I have to like 
be so scared for everything in my life like in all seriousness of dealing yeah, with hurricane whole, series in well same as like the I midwest could. with like tornado alley like mm. there's a whole time of year where the sky just tries to kill you can you imagine yeah no i think <laughs> I mean, kudos to the people who, you know, who do live out there and have have it down to a science. I'm sure for them, it's like, oh, tornado and they go to their spot or whatever. But <laughs> like same as like earthquakes in California. Most of them don't. I feel like most earthquakes that are not big don't even register with the people who live there. Whereas mm-hmm. if the ground started shaking here in New Jersey, I mean, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever like, really oh. experienced an earthquake before? No. I mean, someone told us there was like a weird thing that happened in like school. Actually, I don't know if you were there for that. That someone said was an earthquake that we kind of felt, but like I vaguely I mean, remember that. Aside, aside from if that was an earthquake, and I've never had anyone confirm it was. No, I've never been in an earthquake. Have you? If I did, if I did, I didn't know what it was about. Yeah. Uh, no, thank goodness for now, no earthquakes, and hopefully, don't have to deal with a catastrophe like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, we can with that. Why don't we go right into, into the our stories. stories? Why don't we start with you? You mentioned Le Bebe was yeah. a pot was a coin term. Why don't you explain <laughs> where that comes from, Ryan? So it comes from Paris Fashion Week, which I mean, a lot going on it's this there. week. Yeah. Um, the vice president's stepdaughter made her uh, debut at Paris Fashion Week this uh, as a model on the runway this year. So the vice president's uh, daughter, as in a daughter, uh, um, Kamala Harris. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, um, I, did not know I don't remember her first name. It's, it's Emhoff obviously. Cause that's, that's her name, but God, wow. I'm on, not on my game today. I'll probably find that one during <laughs> oh, your story. So we'll come back to that. But anyway, long story short, it's uh Paris fashion, uh, fast fashion week, uh, James Harden, uh, basketball player and yep. Lil Baby. I think that's correct. Lil Baby. Yeah, Lil um, Baby. Not Dub Baby. Lil not Dub Baby. There are multiple baby rappers, um, <laughs> which should be a subgenre, maybe. I don't know. But um, Lil Baby mm. was there with him and they are attending Fashion Week. And so right. um, they were walking what looked like their hotel, actually. Um, they were walking down the hall, paparazzi and the news media, of course, saw them and there's fans there too, not, you know, not professional credentialed photographers, but just, you know, regular fans looking at all the celebrities uh, who are going to be, excuse me, in, uh, involved in the fashion festivities. And um, one of the French, one of the French uh, fans saw James Harden, took a picture, called out to James Harden and then saw little baby and started uh, ch- um, calling out to him as little baby. I believe I mean would be the isn't that the in in French? I don't know. Uh, uh, I I really have no idea, and I took a whole semester on French films, (laughs) but (laughs) didn't get the language part out of it. I'm pretty sure like la or lay or whatever. Like I'm pretty sure that means is like that's like the or whatever. But anyway, so it's just kind of funny. And so la baby uh, was started trending uh, earlier this morning and well into the afternoon. some of the other basketball players and rappers got involved on it too, which is pretty funny. Um, I have not seen James Harden or uh, little baby tweet anything about it, but I also haven't looked that closely. So, um, cause I was, mm-hmm. frankly, I was more interested in seeing like everyday people uh, talk about <laughs> little baby. And uh, it was just, it's just really funny. And 
like I said, I, I told everybody at the top of the show that I was on. I was unsatisfied with my Twitter experience today. So my other stories are not from today, but I'm glad that at least LaBaby cut through the noise of uh, Twitter today and gave me a good chuckle. That instead, Definitely. But we won't cover that. But did you hear also with this story is that little baby allegedly was arrested in Paris today for marijuana possession after being searched by the police, along with James Harden and several others. Um, no, I thought this was a fun meme. He's yeah, no, Jonah? this was this is so Best Harden wasn't arrested. Little baby was for the possession. And um, yeah, according to this from TMZ, little baby and James Harden are both in Paris for fashion week when their group was pulled over. The Parisian police searched with their vehicle and found 20 grams of marijuana, which is a lot. <laughs> Uh, just a little above an ounce, which will update here where the story continues. So, yeah, it's not been a good couple someone of weeks just, with weed and celebrities. Someone just someone just tweeted. I guess it's true. Absolutely nobody can lock up James Harden. It's <laughs> 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 pretty good. <laughs> oh man, that is. Well, good. you heard it here, free la baby. Free la baby, yo. Oh, Free la baby. Um, he looks so innocent and happy with, with that he getting recognized too with that. But then, uh, uh oh my goodness, <laughs> how is that even possible <laughs> that James Harden was let go by the police? <laughs> that that really is that's no, favoritism. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the marijuana. Group. They probably shouldn't even be in jail. But uh, since someone did get arrested, how are two people in the same car? Neither of them probably driving, by the way. Um, <laughs> right. Neither of them are probably driving. Somehow only one of them gets arrested. <laughs> yeah. And like they are pretty famous in the United States. And uh, well, I don't that's know. That's crazy. But that's just yeah, bizarre. see, you you built off of my story there. I was just talking about the baby nickname. <laughs> and I didn't know that the actual little baby was arrested. Yeah. Soon enough, this today, is literally developing. So. Hours later. Oh my god! Well, oh goodness! But yeah, kind of weak. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad week for uh, bad week for celebrities and marijuana. Oh man, that's a story for another day to break yeah, down. Yeah, that's a whole podcast. You need to get someone who's like really into the Olympics to talk about that. I think also the, I don't Olympics, watch the Olympics that much. The Tokyo announced a state of emergency for COVID no outbreak. No fans. That's going to be eerie to watch. I don't think they're going to get a lot of ratings. Yeah, but honestly, it's probably not even about ratings at this point. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, with the Olympics, it's not like you, you people will choose not to put them on. So, like, I guess they'll just be there. And, yeah. Well, hopefully it's interesting. Well, I mean, I don't really know the big stories coming in, but besides the Shikari Richardson and – um. Well, they had the one, but which wasn't weed. They had one athlete on steroids. Mm. And there's also the transgender powerlifter. That's interesting. Yeah. But besides that, like Ella, what else? Sorry, Ella Emhoff. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get before we completely left Fashion Week. I had to get that. That would have been inappropriate to just completely not say her name until <laughs> after we moved on. Ella Emhoff made her modeling debut. And wow, that is the good vice luck. president's stepdaughter. Well, good luck to her. Sounds yeah. like a great uh, movie ahead or something. Can you imagine she's on the runway making her making her debut, and just in the back, James Hard's getting his boy arrested. 
you Kanye was there dude. too, right? Of course, probably. Yeah, he I probably mean, got him arrested. As revenge. Uh, now I'm just land, now I'm just slandering everybody. I have no idea. You're gonna start conspiracy theories. Why not? <laughs> Other people do it. Some yeah, people literally. get shows on Fox News when they do it. <laughs> you no, know, I was looking at Fox News at the gym today. They just had like it's just sometimes like these people really don't care like who program it. Like I saw someone child get sick after COVID vaccine. Now that can mean anything. Like I had a cold after my vaccine four weeks ago. That. that could turn into something. So like, geez, you know how to those people are hilarious. So, so not Fox, uh, but a uh, similar group in the UK. Um reported on Canada's first vaccine recipient died last week. She died at 109 years old. They didn't put that part. That in wasn't headline. in the headline. It was in the story, <laughs> but she was 109. Oh I was like, God. are we really wondering what happened? <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I'm wondering why she stood in line for the vaccine. Like, <laughs> I've hey, only got a couple weeks. <laughs> 109. <laughs> like, think yeah, about it. When you hit not 100 years old, you have nine years to go after that. I mean, when you hit 90, yeah. 19. So what? You turned, she turned 90 and in, uh, in uh, what? 2002. So she's 1902 to 2021. That's a great run. I, it's insane. Like, but again, they didn't cover that. They, they made sure to mention she was vaccinated and died, but not that she was, you know, literally ancient. So, uh, and, oh my. Uh, by the way, that's that was rude. I don't mean to be that rude or flippant about it. But, you know, like, yeah, you know, nine, that's a good run. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it's not newsworthy. When some, it's not newsworthy when somebody passes away at one hundred and nine, unless you are, a, you know, a news outlet trying to demonize vaccinations. That's the oh only reason God. to report that in the news. But anyway, and, Canada just got their vaccine. I know they're very slow with this. Oh, Did no, they no, just- no. This, oh, this was they, a long this is, I mean, No, I mean, the person just passed recently, but. Yeah, but they, okay. Yeah, they got the shot a while ago. Did they open the borders yet? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I know I was, out, <laughs> I was out that way, not Canada, obviously, but a few weeks ago, uh, and they were not open yet. Oh, man. Well, we'll f- somehow we'll get to Canada one way or the other, so. <laughs> one way or another, we'll get there. Start next story. <laughs> the next story I have, right? Yeah. So it was reported this week, which is like a very funny story. But I don't know if it's necessarily needed, but, you know, mm-hmm. New York City, the office in New York City nightlife, which I didn't even know was a thing. They have an all <laughs> office for that. They essentially proposed to have some regions in New York City to have 24 seven partying. Straight shot. Some certain areas they're still debating and deciding. Has it? They haven't. Um, they haven't decided where yet or what uh, hot pot cities and stuff like that. But New York City is possibly planning to have places where you could party twenty four seven. Now, the things that come to mind when thinking about this: one, bars close at four in the morning in New York City. I, I mean. <laughs> How much more do we have to yeah, add? How really? much longer do you add? <laughs> and like, there are some places that will go to the last minute, but 4 a.m. I mean, geez, there's there are some people built different, and I see them. Like when you hear these stories of people in like Spain start their night at midnight and end at six in the morning, but I mean, yeah, but don't they I don't go know to if, bed until like 
11 and then they start like they, their day starts later exactly but like, like not like not a laziness thing it's just their work day starts later i thought right i'm just wondering if people even notice or make a difference i mean there are some crazy people especially if you're on you know certain drugs but you yeah. will make it the whole way but i don't know i just thought this was funny but also this is an interesting choice because crime is rising in new york and it has been on a rise since last summer and uh I don't really have the statistics in front of me to say mm-hmm. if it has gone on a downward spiral. I don't think so yet. But no, uh, it's still going up. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of ironic on opening the city more when it's, you know, when people are. are bit, I'm, I'm not now. I'm not someone who's afraid to go well in New York City per se, but you definitely keep your back. You have to watch out. Keep your bag. Don't put your headphones on late at night. But um, I just thought that was an interesting aspect to it, too. What do you think of what's going on with New York? And just maybe this could yeah. be another way to get some money. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think this will end up happening because um, mm-hmm. as we found out, was it yesterday or the day before New Jersey Mayor Eric Adams uh, won the election? <laughs> so yeah. he's uh, for he's the candidacy probably... of the Democrat spot. I mean, yeah, but come on. So, <laughs> yes. so I mean, uh, he will officially get sworn in it when he actually wins in uh, yes November. There's, there's a whole formality thing, but yeah, you know, I mean, but in fairness, he doesn't even live in New York, and he managed to win the uh, election. Yeah, there, so, but bottom you know, line, Eric Adams will be the next mayor of New York City. Yeah, um, and so I just don't feel like this is not his jam, not his kind of. <laughs> Not his kind of policy. I mean, Andrew Yang wanted to build hype houses across New York. So I'm not <laughs> saying that none of the candidates would have been into the idea of just designating a, par- a whole like portion of the city that you just party and all that. Uh, <laughs> but I just don't. This doesn't feel like his cup of tea. Um, yeah. Or really, I mean, I guess Bill de Blasio, he had that whole, you know, he was super, super hip and young with his pizza references. So oh. um, maybe. Maybe Bill, maybe Bill de Blasio do it as his last act before he leaves. Be like, New York's having one epic rager in my honor, and it's never going <laughs> to end. Um, I guess that could be something, but I don't see the new administration, um, which did focus a lot on the rising crime, like in terms of. Yeah, they have. To. You know, that's that's what he's been talking about. That's how he got elected. So I don't see him being like crimes on the rise. Let's make sure everyone gets drunk 24 seven in these certain areas. <laughs> um, just I don't think that that's something that he'll do. So, yeah, I would say for any of you party animals living in the Big Apple. You're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. Sorry Someday, that 4 a.m. is not lo- late enough for yeah. some of you. I would say, you know what? Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe go to sleep. Um, at four a.m., I think you could. I think you can take a nap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything exactly. opens up again. You can, you know, you get mimosas for brunch, right? Mm-hmm. And then at lunch, you go to a pub, get some beers, and then by time it's dinner time, you're ready to go. You know, you'll, you grab something to eat pregame, and you hit the bars again. You yeah, can like make it, you, you can make it happen. I mean, if you just go, if you just start your night like eleven, eleven thirty, even you still have a whole five hours. What else could you do? But some people need more, I guess. That's what I'm saying. You can make it. You can make it pretty close to 24 hours with the rules as they stand right now. Yeah. Um, I'd question that decision, but <laughs> it's lawful. <laughs> so if you have a lot of money and no responsibilities, give it a try. Maybe maybe that'll be the the pilot. Who knows? Maybe they'll test it out on some people and see how it goes. Definitely but film that. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> what's your story, Ryan? What's the next story? 
Mm-hmm. Well, the next story was that one about the uh, Gen X. That was Gen Xers were trending. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, nobody cares about Gen X, but anyway, except um, D Generation X. Yeah, break <laughs> it down. Um, but I, uh, I was reading through all this stuff, and I noticed they kept getting the dates wrong. And when I mean that, I mean they kept telling me I'm a freaking Gen Zer, and that's not you- accurate. <laughs> now I know you were born in '94, right? The very so last like day, year '94, the last day of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so was Melissa. So, I mean, you guys are there, but for whatever reason, so we're millennials technically, thing, according to this one thing, list, right? Where they're like '90, 90, '94 is the cutoff. But everything I look at, and I'm going to show the camera. So, if you're watching on YouTube, yes. you get look at all these articles. Ready? Look at. See them? Mm-hmm. There's five of them. So I did my research today. No one else is saying 94. Everyone else, well, one person said 1995 or 97. Or 96. <laughs> Not 96. Oh, sorry. 1994, 1996, rather. So they just skipped 1995 as if, as if we never happened. Um, and this would be as the oldest, as, uh, the youngest millennials. Yes. Um, but I think the whole point is that Gen Z is not, are not adults yet. That's the whole, uh, they're adults physically, like, you know, yeah. according to the law, but uh, they're not like doing adult things yet. They're all like recent grads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gen Z is recent grads. You just graduated college. If only like, we could bring our Gen Z correspondents, AJ, the man, Oh, he, they're, not Davis. Even, they're not even out of college. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like the oldest Gen Z. So like the oldest millennials have like kids. They're like 40. Yeah. Right. Almost 40. The oldest Gen Zers are just getting out of college. Yeah. Like AJ, the man. And yeah. Evo they're not, they're not professionals yet. I've been working for years. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean like working, like, you know, at my father's insurance company or at an ice cream stand. I mean, I've been working, working. Yeah. Right. <laughs> for years. So I'm like, who are these people? Who are these Gen Xers trying to erase me from the conversation? And then again, one of these uh, was it the, not Pew Research? So Pew Research backed me up. They've been they've been studying millennials. Bible source, of course. Yes, they've been studying millennials forever. But um, what is it? Statista Statista is the name of the site. Mm-hmm. They just skipped 95. It's either 94 or 96. <laughs> and then every, but everyone is so it's weird so everyone is confident even on even on that site that 1997 is the first generation of gen zers yep so if they're saying that makes the most sense. millennials and 1997 is gen z then what are 94 95 are we some sort of pocket generation could we <laughs> be the, the new forgotten generation perhaps <laughs> it's just two years that nobody cares about us i don't know there's more but, mystique to that do do that as the 95 96 yeah, yeah i'm gonna create yeah 95ers and 96ers we're creating our own generation a two-year millennial generation. z well i think we're technically they have a name for that it's zillennial oh which zillennial. is horrible <laughs> horrible name. i don't i don't i don't um don't abide by the authority of the zillennials but um I don't know. I just, and I don't know why it bothered me so much. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm very close in age to most of the Gen Zers, I, as I just said, Yeah, <laughs> being on the bubble and all some <laughs> old people think I am Gen Z. Uh, so <laughs> exactly. Save here. And like some Gen Z sleek here, like I told you, the way I met AJ, the man, Adiba was at a party for millennials and they somehow got in there. And I, 
and the friend I have I mean, connected I to the party. Spot, but we all know how young people get into parties that are meant for older people. So I mean, of course, of course, it was funny, but it's just I really think that it was random because I went to the party. I knew the house owner. And I right, asked her, uh, yeah, at the time. And I asked them, like, have you heard these people? And they said no. So I don't know. You know how those things work, but that yeah, just makes house me owner. Fun. So that's yeah. the only thing that makes me feel like is a Gen Zer. I know there are millennials who have houses, and I just don't foresee how I'll ever have a house. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm like, I feel like me and Gen Z, we 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 vibe on that particular point. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm never gonna have a house. I'm never. Gonna yeah, have yeah. <laughs> so, to be fair, it was like it was like they own the brownstone. It was a brownstone type. I like thing. those, man. Like, yeah. If if you're downtown and like a, a nice city, like a midsize, yeah. City, you know me, multifamily brownstone, York, right? but yeah. I'm not New York. I'm not Chicago. I'm not Philly. I like visiting fun, you know, fun to visit, not to live in. Yeah. You get like a mid-sized city, right? Oh yeah. And you get a brownstone downtown sort of thing. Yeah. Especially, especially one, if you have, if you have one for yourself, just just your family. Exactly. So who needs a yard? (laughs) That's just more lawnmowers. And we don't, we don't mow the lawn. We're, we're, we're zillennials. Yeah, we like, don't mow the lawn. The rest of the time, I am home with living at home, doing so much yard work. Yeah, out of just laziness from my friends, they just don't want to do it. I've. <laughs> it's not. I feel like I hope to get to a. I feel like I have to be so worn out that I don't that I would do that as a hobby, like own a home. Later, at least that's my what I'm thinking on July eighth, two thousand twenty one. That could change, but yeah, you know. I, I just realized that yeah, operating a, a yard is hard. Like just, yeah, it so it takes it. I mean, it's 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 really time consuming more than hard, depending on the yard. But yeah. yeah, it's just man, I just when that day comes, I just want to be. I hope that all my the, the fun in my life is just raising a family, listen to podcasts, and do with the yard. Like not anytime soon. Well, it, hey, I'd be impressed if I ever even had a yard. So, <laughs> so hey, the know. brownstone or the brownstone slash townhouse. That's, it is a good option. Yeah, it's there. It's always an option. It's not any cheaper, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right. so I wanted to uh, I wanted to basically air my grievances there about uh, Gen X. And also to say there is a conversation to be had between millennials and baby boomers. Okay, baby boomers were the big deal, and they've been the big deal for a long time. Yep. Nobody, nobody cared when they were kids. Nobody cares now about Gen X. <laughs> they are literally a forgotten group of people. <laughs> we went from really old to the millennials. The whole middle group just got completely skipped over, which is funny. I, somebody actually tweeted out. I was reading through this thread the other day. Uh, somebody tweeted out, I saw Gen X was trending. I thought we all died. Because uh, <laughs> the only reason that they would trend on a Twitter is because they died, like, you know, a B list celebrity. Uh, um, but I just thought it was crazy that Gen X was trending for inaccurate information, for spreading fake news. I should have reported it. I didn't. I should have reported it to Twitter. They would have, they wouldn't have done anything, but uh, would have been, would have made me feel good. And maybe I could have taken a picture of the report and posted it. So even more content for productive and tweet cap. But I was just, it really irked me when they were like, yeah, 1995 is zoom uh, zoomers is um, generation Z. I was like, 
I don't know. And again, I don't know why it bothered me as much as it did, but that was, that's less of a, less of, less of a big trend. It was trending, but less of a big trend and more of a, a personal rant, but every mm-hmm. once in a while you got to do that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So stand your ground and make uh, some noise. Stand your ground. 95ers. <laughs> so I, I, ne- I'm now I'm scared though. I feel like the 95ers is uh, like a hate group. I, I don't stand your ground if you're in a hate group. <laughs> Be the genuine Relax. one. So one story I have is ESPN had a tough week. And uh, obviously the big one, Rachel Nichols, um, having her comments leaked out in a New York Times article, making disparaging comments to Maria Taylor, pretty much talking about how ESPN was pressured to for- give um, people of color more chances for diversity and more of a pressure standpoint, even though story what she did say that a year ago, but it did get leaked out, make them really look bad. And we definitely don't condone Miss Nichols's comments, but uh, it's just a whole mess that hopefully somebody can learn from. Plus with that, you think if she made those comments a year ago, you think they would make some changes within that year, but um, nope. Now people are embarrassed. ESPN looks more of a joke from that. And uh, yeah, it's just so embarrassing. And then just the other sex conspiracy theory story about Jimmy Butler, Rachel Nichols getting it allegedly, possibly um, getting it on in the NBA bubble, even though that literally had nothing to do with the story. That was just brought up Rachel Nichols. I'll hmm. remember when she did that, I guess, with Carl Anthony Towns calling out in, um, in a game, some game they were twitching and uh, it's just one of the funniest oh, rumors. Towns is the one who leaked that story. Yeah, there was a story. There was that part. Really? So pretty much call Anthony Towns and Jimmy. Butler. That makes it more believable. Now that I know that, that makes you didn't it know way that? more believable. That was the big ass. I, I thought it was just some random person. Yeah. Oh, no. You think someone on Twitter. Hey, no, makes it much more believable. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pull yeah, up. This I thought thing someone really just qu- like shot, you know, shot their shot, made it made manifested something completely ridiculous into a real story. No, if he said it, it's probably true. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> I mean, if if someone made that up in the blue, that would be, you know, power two of you were able to pull it off. But, yeah, I have it right here oh, yeah. um, here on sports. And I mean, he has to play with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And they were former teammates on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. So I'm saying so he knows it. Yeah, he they were lie. they were playing. Uh, yeah. Let me just again get that. Uh If I could just find the. okay, here we go. So, yeah, pretty much the way that went down in the story that resurfaced was, uh, I guess, in a time when everyone was trash talking Rachel Nichols, this was probably the even though really random. This uh, got into, you know, to this. And uh, okay, well, this is the kind of story people like. Right. And uh, okay, it wasn't a twitch, but during here it is during the Minnesota Timberwolves versus Miami Heat game back in May 2021, so three months ago, Carl Anthony mm-hmm. Towns took a sneaky dig at Jimmy Butler after a certain play in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, Butler and Towns engaged in a cheeky exchange. It started with Butler telling Towns that he was soft as baby shit. Quote and <laughs> to this NBA rookie, and then uh, Carl Anthony Towns responded with, "Call Rachel, then call Rachel." And hey, uh, well, that almost sounds more like he and Rachel were uh, a thing too. Kind of sounds like there t- might be multiple people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, 
I certainly hope that's not the case after the year games, but that's the thing that happened here. I thought there was something about a Twitch that they he said that, and I figured that would come up, uh, you know, right away. If you don't mind, if I can hmm. just pull up this one quick YouTube. Yeah, go for it. Click. It's 18 seconds, but I doubt it's a <laughs> Twitch. Like, I literally, someone said that on Twitter, but hence. Yep, it's just the thing. You soft as baby shit. And it says, call Rachel then. Call Rachel. Call Rachel. I'll punch you in the face. You soft as baby shit. That's that's what they said to each other. Call Rachel. And basically, again. They both said what, it? No, he said he, he said Carl it said Butler, it to yeah. Jimmy Butler. And the story from that is where could this have gone? Is that allegedly in the NBA bubble, Jimmy Butler, there was a thumping sound. Bump, bump, bump. Mm-hmm. And uh, a hotel room in the bubble. Security guard went to check, finds Jimmy Butler really sweaty. And his excuse was he was bouncing a basketball. And some of the outside, you know, people, neighbors, someone said, it sounds like two people making passionate love. <laughs> and uh, reckon, I don't know if that's Rachel Nickers. It could be anybody. We did see that's that true. player. We did see one of the players in the bubble get caught trying to sneak a girl in. That did not yeah. end well. So, that's where this all unfolded. And uh, well, if that is true, she is did cheat on him with the man and she has been married 20 years. I mean, I don't think ESPN really wants to have their, you know, you know, their reporters messing around with athletes on a professional level, unless, like you said, unless they're obviously in love. <laughs> and yeah, Even on then. top of this, just Rachel Nichols, big name for ESPN and uh just all crumbling down. She did return to the jump yesterday. Yeah. Awkwardly, literally nothing was of, of note. She just says, sorry, moving on. And I really do think it seems that's how the story will go. Yeah. But on top of this, too, not only Rachel Nichols, one of their other big um, personalities, Adrian Wojnarowski, um, famous NBA insider known for breaking big stories, whether trades, free agency, um, firings of coaches, yada, yada, yada. And there was a yeah. former insider named, I apologize if I messed this up, Amin Elhausen. I probably totally butcher that, but um, Amin and joined the Dan Lebitard show, a former ESPN. Um, these were all former ESPN people. Now Dan Lebitard does a show for yeah. DraftKings. Jamel Hill was a part of it too. And pretty much, uh, you know, they went back and forth talking about the story and Woj was not saying she was being a team player with everything going on. And then he pretty much was saying, I have the quote here. If I could quickly read yeah. um, quote from Amin. Are you bleeping shitting me? This guy's going to call someone a bad teammate for real, for real. Do we want to talk about the black careers that he put a foot on because he was threatened by? Do we want to talk about that? Do you want to talk about the newsbreakers within S of diverse background who has rapports with players that Adrian doesn't have. Then he saw us as threatening because his sources are all front office people and assistant coaches trying to move up and maybe a video coordinator that's trying to get a better job somewhere else. So pretty much saying that, um, you know, put his uh, foot on black journalists. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if this story really got much traction because Woj just keeps tweeting and didn't make any comment or anything. But again, 
the big picture here on what I want to talk about with these stories is ESPN in general. Yeah. Well, I feel this last decade really has fallen flat on their face with the rise of more other outlets like a Bleacher Report, your House of Highlights, Fox Sports. And I mean, honestly, you could just anything you get your sports media from. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is just a huge trend of ESPN, whether it's, you know, falling flat here in the digital era, whether are they do this? There's something to, you know, these accusations. Are they putting more people, white people in these, uh, you know, places of influence in a time where we are looking for social justice? What do you think, Ryan, as this ESPN, obviously, at one point was the place to watch your sports, but now with so many different outlets is ESPN kind of obviously almost being like boomers and they need some major changes and stuff. Also well, Disney I mean, company. Yeah. ESPN is boomers. I mean, it's the oldest sports, uh, it's the oldest sports site. They, they're the yeah. first. So the problem is that now there's more, um, they have to compete and they're not doing such a good job. I, I, there's a couple of things to unpack. I think the reason that the second story hasn't really done much, um, and I mean, take this with all of the grains of salt, uh, especially because I have no inside knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just a white dude talking on a podcast. There's not a lot there. I mean, it's an accusation yeah. and it's fiery, right? It's a fiery accusation, but none of the people that he's talking about work for ESPN with the exception of the one person. Um, now he talks about the rapport that he and other journalists have with players. None of that's been proven. Uh, mm-hmm. He talks that he doesn't have that rapport with players again. None of that substantiated. Um, now, if somebody came forward with the receipts and said, like, no, this is what happened, I think it would be a much bigger story. Uh, because, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, it's, a, it's an abuse of power. He's, he's stealing work. He took work from other people. Exactly. Pass it off as his own. Um, so, I mean, even, even without the racial component, which, again, if it's true, would be massive a massive part of the backlash to him. Uh, but even if it was, uh, you know, two people of the same race, this would still be a, a story because it's someone abusing their power. Um, but no one has any receipts from what I can see. No one is saying that this is what happened. Here's my story. It's just kind of like a vague rumor. Exactly. Um, and again, all of the people who are speaking right now, and I believe there's only one, but, uh, are not ESPN employees. They're former ESPN employees and rightfully so or not former employees are seen as less credible. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, our brains are automatically going to think, I mean, former, there's gotta be a reason they don't work there anymore. And it could be completely just because they found a better job, by the way, but our brains always decide that a former employee must have sour grapes and that's why they're speaking out. So I think that's Mm -hmm. probably why, it didn't catch like the other story, uh, which the other story it's interesting now that I'm, so I went back and forth in the course of the entirety of your conversation about mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Butler and Rachel Nichols. Yeah. I'm starting to think it was just someone named Rachel that they both slept with. <laughs> I mean, there's no evidence that it's Rachel Nichols other than everyone's mad at Rachel Nichols right now. And yeah. So like, one of that. I, I mean, I'm going to, again, same same warning as before um but i personally actually think that might be a little offensive you're mad at you're mad at a woman reporter so she must be sleeping with all of the athletes yeah that's a you know sad I mean? shot that people can take like like again nobody has proved uh, if, if all we heard is rachel 
And he didn't mention Rachel Nichols by name. He didn't point to Rachel Nichols. He didn't make any reference, I mean, on Twitter about her. Now, if he has, that's different. But if he just said the word Rachel and everyone is deciding now that they're upset, and they should be upset with Rachel Nichols, that's actually a little inappropriate. Um, yeah, no, it's personally. offensive. And by uh, the way, when I say uh, offensive, yes, I guess, if that's the intent, if they know it's not true. Uh, a, a lot of people are saying it because they think it's true. Um, but I'm saying if the rumor started because of that, I would say that that was that was inappropriate. That's an inappropriate slander on somebody. Now, yeah. moving forward, because I want to get past that really quick. Uh, she absolutely deserves uh, some comeuppance. Uh, yeah, she should she should have accountability for her actions. Here. Yeah, and what's really sad, and this goes back to the larger ESPN thing, and honestly, it goes back to like white people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's a focus on hiring people with multiple perspectives into a team doesn't mean that somehow those people weren't qualified to be there. Right. And that's like this weird like myth that we hear is that, Oh, you know, diversity in the workplace means that qualified people who are white are losing jobs to people of color who are less or not qualified. But that's never, I mean, that's not at all a part of what the mission is. Like, that's not at all what the point of it is. And I don't think there's any evidence that that's what's happened. I mean, just because they hired somebody with a diverse background, you know, be it their orientation, be it their, their, you know, world of thought, their religion, et cetera, like, doesn't mean that that person wasn't qualified for the job. It just means that they are qualified for the job and have, you know, a different background than what exactly. uh, than than a white person, and it, I just found it. I find it weird that we have these conversations about you know diversity hires, and it's just kind of baked into the conversation. I mean, like what you said, like oh, they got pressured to hire more diverse people. Maybe, but it doesn't mean that the diverse people they hired shouldn't have a job there. Exactly. It means They're that they just were as much qualified as anyone. Right. As long as they did the work. Yeah, it's like, so I don't understand how it got baked into the conversation that somehow, well, I mean, I do understand it. I understand it. It's it's entitlement uh, and ignorance that, that obviously, <clears throat> obviously the person of color replaced a superior candidate who was white. I mean, that's that's just the default for a lot of people, which is horrific and untrue. But I don't know. I just find it interesting that that's like that's baked into the conversation at this point when I don't know anyone who's made that case. Like what, what business is like, yeah, we're going to take people who are bad at their job, but they look a certain <laughs> way because we don't actually care if we get anything done. We just need to look a certain way. Like businesses yeah. don't run on paper. ESPN can't be like, look at how diverse our team is. And then not produce a show, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. Not produce the news. They still have to do the job. So the person who's hired will still ultimately be, you know, capable and talented at doing the job. Otherwise, they won't get hired. It, it just it's very weird to me how people have decided to bake that into the conversation. And when I say people, we know I don't mean all people, but uh, a lot of people have baked that into the conversation when it comes to, you know, hiring diverse teams as if, well, diverse teams mean that less qualified people are getting jobs over qualified people. No, not really. I mean, it just means that people who typically don't get hired are getting 
are getting looked at now. <laughs> it really just means that the, the applicant pool Finally. is bigger. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just thought it was weird. And it's weird that somebody who works with, or rather a woman who works in sports, I mean, cause that's a, vi- that's a diverse background, frankly. Yeah. Uh, like there's not a lot now there's more, but especially she's been around a, a little bit now. Um, and when Rachel Nichols started, that was not the case uh, that women were a big part of sports media um, so the idea that somebody who frankly probably did have those same obstacles to get to where she is trying to be a woman in the early, you know, the earlier stages of sports media, the fact that she would throw around that particular, uh, that particular critique is, I mean, just super tone deaf, um, uh, because one, and not true. Almost. And two, she knows it's not true because people could have said the <clears throat> same exact thing about her. Right. And she would have said that's completely untrue because she knows that she's talented. She knows that, yes, she's a woman. And yes, maybe somebody thought that was interesting. It got people, you know, to pay attention, but I don't know. It's just really weird that a woman in sports media decided to throw shade at people being from, you know, a different background. Yeah. Because like when she started women in sports media was not what it is now. Can't bite the hand that feeds you. And, uh, geez, well, she lost. Well, she got embarrassed from this. I'm sure yes, once yes. the NBA season is over, there's a lot to reflect on, especially most importantly. Her. Yeah, it's it's, it's awkward. Might switch now. her sport. You know what I mean? Yeah, make her. I have to go to NFL or something. MLB. Hockey, hockey, ESPN signed a huge contract with the NHL. Wouldn't that be okay, funny? So she maybe did? they'll move her to hockey, but I don't know if she can stay in the NBA. Yeah, it's just too awkward at this point. I mean, if you if she goes covers a uh, Miami Heat game, people will bring this up, even if it's just for the day. Yeah. And we've seen how cruel fans are now with special players. I mean, yeah. like, look at the when the Knicks played the Hawks and Trey Young, all the trolling Trey Young chants. Imagine hmm. Jimmy Butler goes on the line. So say Rachel Nichols. Someone's going to try to do that. Absolutely. They're probably so, Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> uh. <laughs> right. So. Bottom line is, you know, it's NBA finals. The season will be done in two weeks. And well, it's a lot of reflecting that everyone has to do with at least the ESPN, especially their basketball, because this happens to be these big stories come out of their basketball coverage and correspondence. And we'll just see what they do. A lot of explaining to do. And just one quick question, Ryan. You know, we talked about ESPN obviously being the original sports outlet. Uh, media outlet. The ma- first was, major one. Maybe not yeah, the first, original. But. First major one and not competing with the other ones. I just, when you said that, just this quick thing popped to mind. HBO, premium mm-hmm. cable. And, you know, they had to adapt in the streaming wars. And HBO Max is just as good as Netflix. I, I don't know the actual numbers, like who has more subscribers, but HBO was able to successfully transfer in the digital and streaming age. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, Obviously, with the combination that helps them with having Warner Brothers to create HBO Max, the Warner mm-hmm. Brothers archives and Criterion Collection and all Warner Media. Yeah. What do you think HBO did that ESPN didn't to stay relevant? HBO had content. I mean, ESPN is a news outlet. It's a news outlet. Um, it's not a particularly important one in the grand scheme of things because it's mm-hmm. just sporting news. <laughs> You can always just Google the score of a game. Um, <laughs> but HBO, before anyone else, was creating content. 
they were always had original stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Maybe not always, but for a long time, they produced original premium television. Yeah. It was different like, than what you could see on TV. It was usually grittier. Yeah. Uh, like the surrealist thing was the uh, stand up comedians really helped. Um, help them out yeah, in the, in the they 80s could, that would they could unleash they didn't have to exactly be young up. comic specials and stuff before they started making yeah. know, original shows and they just made movies too so. yeah and so obviously but frankly if they hadn't gone in with warner by the way there would be no contest um they needed to expand the library by a lot in order to keep up with netflix and everybody else mm-hmm. but because they did because they got that partnership uh, and they had they've always made original content. There was always going to be always quality, too. That's all all their shows well, yeah, are considered and, I mean, some of the greatest. And I would say that after Sopranos and other people will disagree with me, but whatever. After Sopranos, there was a bit of a break. In. Uh, in HBO's relevance, probably. I mean, what was the big show after Sopranos? You had shows like, you know, in terms of like that was big, but not Sopranos big, like a True Blood or a, right. um, you know, an Entourage singing or so something like for something for the enthusiasm. HBO fans. Yeah. Something for the HBO fans that made sure that they nothing that brought in new, necessarily a lot of new people, but something that kept the people who were there happy with that fact that they were paying money to be yeah. there. Yeah. They always created good shows, you know, like cult shows like a Big Love or, yeah. you know. Just going off of those and co- then, enthusiasm. And then Game of Thrones. I yeah. think most of the fact that HBO is doing what it's doing now came from the sheer luck. And I do think it was mostly luck mm-hmm. that Game of Thrones came out at the start of the digital like streaming age. Yeah, that Game of Thrones pretty much coincided with the rise of Netflix the entire time. <laughs> And by the time Netflix became like a household name, like it is now, Game of Thrones is just about wrapping up. So the entire (laughs) rise of streaming also coincided with what was probably the most popular, definitely the most popular HBO show since Sopranos. Um, And possibly one of the most popular TV shows since, I don't even freaking know, Dallas. Like one of those old shows that I've only ever heard about. You know what I mean? Yeah, like definitely has a big culture and big. Oh, two shows also is Wire was big too, and uh, Wire was pretty uh, big, and um, Deadwood. But yeah, no, um, Deadwood not as big as The Wire, but um, yeah, The Wire is pretty. But big. it was just still there that made uh, those HBO subscribers happy because it was. Oh good. yeah, no, like I said, they always, yeah. they always, they always kept their people happy, like their consumers yeah. happy. They always made good shows, but I mean, like people watched the sprint like people got it to watch the sopranos because right. that's what people were talking about you know what i mean like people were talking at work at school about the sopranos so people went on bought hbo so they could watch the sopranos so they could talk about it with their friends and co-workers game of thrones same exact way i know because i was one of those people <laughs> uh, i got tired of not knowing what was going on um so i would say a lot of a lot of it was luck Obviously, they had to build their content library, but they had a good base to start with, as we just pointed out, because we named all the shows between Sopranos and uh, and Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's a lot of really good shows in there. Um, So, yeah, I would say that that's probably why HBO can do it. What what is ESPN really going to do? Yeah, they have ESPN Plus, which kind of sucks, to be honest. And ESPN Plus, but like 
like you it's have to sporting it's not content. fun to it's not i mean you have to be a hardcore like hardcore 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 to actually right. watch your stuff if you want to watch oh i want to watch extra coverage of the british open specifically right. like who cares yeah i really only have that for the 30 for 30s and you know yeah. that's sporadic when they most people only have watch them all came with disney plus exactly the, most people just have it because of that because Disney has a big library and so big, in fact, that they just gave people ESPN for free. So, <laughs> right. That, and that's the, and ESPN also is very corporate. And a lot of it is. Um, oh, you're right. Exactly. I just laughed. Like, and a lot of one sports of the, fans the are suits. stoolies. Yeah. They're not the corporate type. You know what I mean? Because that's why they go to a bar stool. Right. Instead. And that's and they it just yeah they don't like, like to be buttoned up they like to be like you know they're they're less of a shirt and tie and more of a polo you know what I mean like and yeah that's what ESPN used to think like that's that's the way to go but they wonder why a bar stool a bleacher report beats them out because they most identify with their fans ESPN and when you say the suits it makes me laugh because like do they realize who they are attending to sports fans who watch sports get drunk who get personally sad have personal tragedies when their team loses a championship hmm. and they just want to, you know, give us some corporate mumbo jumbo and they wonder why they can't keep up. Yeah. But there, there comes a, a limit to, and we're not going to get into this because it'll take up the rest of the show. There comes a limit to the other side too. Yeah. The, uh, the populism of barstool has its own set of positives and negatives oh, yeah. that you can't ignore. You just can't. I mean, you could do it if you're Barstool, I guess. They te- they seem to be ignoring it. But uh, there's a ceiling there. And they haven't hit it yet, which means, I mean, there's plenty of money to be made. Uh, but right. I also don't know how sturdy that... Anyway, we, I want to get into the Barstool right now because that'll take up the rest of the uh, show. But, but you're right. It's going to be interesting to see if they're here to stay within the 2020s. Yes. Yeah. That's see, see what they're gonna do to, or what to they make that. More, I think they're here to stay. They're a big company and they've got made a lot of money. Oh, yeah, for so sure. Interesting to see what it looks like and who's in charge. Yeah, like at what point the later part of 2020s. Yeah, like to see if Barstool looks the same as it does right now. Yeah, like at first Barstool was very college oriented, like showing people getting fucked up and uh yeah. stuff well, like yeah, that. It's, al- it's already moved, it's already matured from that. Yeah, so you know we're I mean? now going to see if Barstool, will they, you know, is it going to be the, the last thing on this is, will it be like the uh, quote from Dark Knight? You either die a hero or see yourself long enough to become, become the New York Yankees. I mean, uh. <laughs> <laughs> literally, man, literally. So what's the next story for you, Ryan? Yeah, we're actually, we're going we're gonna to round out this entire show with sports, sort of. But mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned some people get very passionate about wins and losses for their sports teams. Yes. But this weekend, if you are a chestnut head, you have a lot <laughs> to be grateful for. Uh, so I, like many other Americans, celebrated the 4th of July. And I did so by watching highlights of Joey Chestnut from California stuff his face with hot dogs in Coney Island. Uh, on Coney Island, sorry. You're not in, you're on. Yeah. Um, but uh, you're in New York, but you're on Coney Island. But anyway, so he, he broke his record. He was like 76 or whatever. So he won that tacky, you know, mustard belt, which in fairness looks just as good as Universal Championship in WWE. <laughs> so take that how you want it. Um, Walk around and- with it everywhere you go. 
Like so, the guy in the bar showed you who showed up with a universal yeah, title. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a move to make, I guess. Um, but I so I got curious. How much did Joe Chestnut win on Fourth of July for stuffing his face full of seventy six hot dogs? Turns out it's only ten thousand dollars to win the whole contest. Shop yeah. ESPN. Here's you who had ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So they took. Wow. There's a twenty thousand dollar prize that gets split amongst the top five. The first place getting ten thousand. Really? Another a lot of people over there. Another interesting bit of information. They pay the men and the women exactly the same. Hey, look so at that. So the women's champion and the men's champion both earn the same amount and second place, third place, etc. There's no difference. $10,000, right? So now I was curious. I was like, I mean, I don't know what Joey Chestnut does or did obviously before his success mm-hmm. in the realm of hot dog sports. But um, I was like, how much is this guy worth? Because if he's only making $10,000 every year, he's not worth a lot. You know what <laughs> I mean? He's actually worth $2 million because he owns a condiment company. He took his fame in eating hot dogs. And now he makes ketchup and mustard. I don't know. That's the company. a great idea. I could idea. not find the company. Really? And he was a former. Yeah, I couldn't find it. But uh, he's a former construction manager, too, by the way. So, I mean, I'm sure he had a little bit of money when he just started eating hot dogs all day. But um, this might yeah. be a dumb question, but his name actually Joey Chestnut. Yeah, I believe that's accurate. Okay. I'll go um, check that. But you were saying? He's from California. Anyway, so yeah, he is a condiment king in addition to being a champion eater. But I was reading, someone posted an article on Twitter, uh, a Yahoo News article. And I am actually going to uh, pull that up as I'm talking to you, as I'm vamping here. And it was probably the most eloquently written piece uh, on hot dog eating that's ever existed. Let's see if I can get it. Not eloquent. That's the wrong word. But it was definitely the probably the most time anyone has ever spent thinking about and then writing about professional hot dog eating. But um, I learned a couple things. One, so here we go. The greatest competitive eater of all time, Chestnut, a.k.a. Jaws, did not know that was his nickname. Jaws. <laughs> was once again crowned Nathan's champion every year, but was once again a crown Nathan's champion every year, but once since the era of the Takuro Kobayashi reign in 2006, Michelle Lesko won the women's and he talks about Michelle Lesko. I'm not trying to, you know, mm-hmm. move past her. Although there is some controversy because she didn't beat the Joey chestnut of the women's division, Mickey Sudo. She wasn't there because she is on maternity. Oh, yep. good for her. She's giving birth at the end of the month, so she's not going to eat a lot of hot dogs. Um, <laughs> Chestnut can once again relish in his victory, which he earned by beating number two, Jeffrey Esper, by 26 dogs. Uh, they go on to dunk on ESPN, which is why it's so funny that that's what you decided to do right before this. The real loser, however, was ESPN, whose efforts did not cut the mustard. The network <laughs> feed cut out several times, leaving frustrated audiences wondering if their TVs were on the fritz during some of the event's most dramatic and compelling moments. That's bad. It's dramatic it's and compelling moments in a hot dog eating contest. I would love to know what that is. Randall, did Matt uh, Stoney compete this year? Matt I think I think he was the only guy who ever beat him. Um. Well, no, the only guy that ever beat him was what's his name? Kobayashi, I believe. No. Oh no. Let me see. 
Yeah, no, it was, you're right. It was Matt Stoney. It was one, yeah. one time. He lost one time. It was to him, uh, which is also in the article. But no, I don't see a Stoney on this. I love his here. videos. I love his videos. Those are, don't watch them late night when you get hungry, but he destroys. I don't know if you've ever seen, he does everything. It's just, it was, so I basically, I read this entire article mm-hmm. about the way that the major league eating works. And I'm just going to say, <laughs> The fact that they want to get paid ten thousand just perfectly encapsulates major league eating. It's basically a carnival sideshow. Yeah, like that we I pretend, feel like the oyster fest does yeah, a that we just pretend like is a big deal. You know yeah. what I mean? A Fourth like, of July. That's the one thing yeah. you. It's funny. Everybody like that. Joey Chester Fourth of July. Right. He's only He's a household one name. One day of year. One day a year. No one cares about him until Fourth of July. Like, oh, Joey Chestnut. Does he eat like Bert? Has he been in other contests? Uh, yes. He holds the record for burritos oh. and hard-boiled eggs. Burritos, that's hard with all the carbs on that with the breads. But It's all hard to me. I have no idea how he does this. Is uh, there but... like a type of person, like a stomach to take all those hot dogs in, like certain genes, or you're just no, risking yeah. it? I have no like, idea. What we'll have to do is we'll have to watch the career of Mickey Sudo. And there's definitely a 30 for 30. Their, right. And their, uh, and their child and see if that child also becomes a professional leader. Well, AKA Jaws dose. Well, he has my support, Joey Chestnut. And I guess, I <laughs> guess all uh, you have to invest. Support. You have to invest. You're, you're winning sometimes. So, uh, yeah, my- yes, he, he took, he took, uh, you know, he took lemons, made lemonade. He only gets $10,000, but since he stuffs his face, he can sell ketchup. <laughs> so just did you have any more stories or you know no, i mean or? i was gonna talk about not really but friend of the pod rudy giuliani just lost his law license in washington dc wow poor little pervert it's crazy so. how much of a reputation that guy had in like america's mayor approval rating just to go down to the shitter honestly i think there's a case they made he looks more like america's mayor now oh my god <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, America's mayor. So uh, he's not practicing law in New York or D.C. I don't know where else he can practice law, but if he hasn't, he should probably go ahead and just get get on the Florida bar because that's probably the only place that will keep him at this point. Literally, they'll they'll be happy for him. But well, yeah, I mean, Florida, Florida doesn't home. seem to do a heck of a lot by way of rules and regulations at the moment. So, <laughs> so just two quick stories on here. One. Baseball all star break. Yeah, it is this Tuesday. And you've had three people announce and two big names of the few big names of baseball. You probably get a random person like, oh, I heard of them. You have New York Mets pitcher Jacob deGrom, arguably the best pitcher of his generation, pitching the ace of the Mets. And you have uh, Houston Astros, Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa say that they are not playing as well. Now, here's the thing with this. The all-star game. I think this helps shows you prove the point that or you've made the point that a lot of especially this generation's athletes who are just the insane amount of money they make. They really care about the fans. And in MLB's All-Star game, which has definitely declined in popularity, I actually don't plan on watching it. I have a podcast recording that day and I don't I'm not nervous about missing it. <laughs> and uh, well, like the MLB All-Star game and the one time where you can get some kind of clout like some type of celebrity involvement, but I even doubt that's the case. I've never heard 
and you could actually maybe for a few days baseball actually is more of a mainstream level besides the World Series, obviously. But yet, now you're starting to see the players just straight say, no, I'm not coming. Now, there's only three for now at the time of this recording, but hey, there might as well be some more players who, there there might be a chance that more players say, like, what's the point? I might as well go home and rest to play in a game that's not relevant. I don't want to get hurt. I mean, there are bonuses if you get to be an all-star. Every player gets an extra bonus, so there is that. But you could, you'll still get the bonus even if you don't show up to the game. And <laughs> well, they should like, probably change that rule. Do you think that there is this is this is brand new? This is the first time people have done. It. I don't know. I, I'm being, I'm sure there's players who said they refuse to go, but not of any note like crazy story that I would know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I know a lot about my sports, but if I did miss out. Um, oh, well, let us know in the YouTube comments and you then, uh, you know, hit like and subscribe. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, well, I was wondering, do you think this helps your um, claim here in baseball, a sport that is dying in popularity? Though I will say I feel like they have made some strides and they're trying their best. And I do think there's major plans ahead. But for now, baseball is not as popular as it used to be, obviously. But do you think this is a trend that helps prove your point? Players? Uh, have more other intentions than trying to entertain their fans. So I'll be honest. I actually really wasn't thinking about baseball when I said that Um, Mm -hmm. it's true of baseball too, but I was thinking more of uh, the NFL and Mm -hmm. NBA. Um, Cause don't. And in fairness, by the way, for the NFL, at least uh, the fans have opened, and they actually the NBA recently, the fans have openly proven that they have some pretty, uh, they have some malcontent for their players. So uh, perhaps this is just, you know, a a symptom of a larger issue. But um, I do think that the all-star games, they were a fun attraction, right? I mean, growing up as a kid, especially. Yeah. I loved it. Cause it was almost like, you know, the Avengers, right? Yeah. Literally. Right. So um, in every sport, I mean, the only sport that honestly should just ax the whole thing is football. They should just announce who's on the Pro Bowl team. Like, like they did this like past year award. for COVID. Yeah. Should be like, here's a, here's your Pro Bowl award. You, you were a good yeah. player. You're in the Pro Bowl. And they don't <laughs> actually do a game. Um, maybe maybe make it a Madden thing, right? In Madden, take all the Pro Bowl players, and you can play a Pro Bowl game with the players. Mm-hmm. But anyway, not the point. You shouldn't play the Pro Bowl. No one's going to do it because all the good players are on the two championship teams, and all the championship teams are getting ready for the Super Bowl. So that that's my that's my rant on the Pro Bowl. But the rest of them should mean something. There should be a reason to want to win. Yeah. And there isn't. Why? Well, A, because the players don't really care about anything besides their personal brand and their personal wealth. Um, which whatever, fair on them. Most people don't. It's not I'm not mm-hmm. insulting them. Most people care about their own personal wealth. Um, but the players, like, what is the player's incentive? Even if you're like, oh, the the winning team gets the host next year, the players don't care. Yeah, there was you know one I mean? point that the winner, which I think was a great deal, but people didn't like it because there was too much integrity for a game that's not that important, is that the winner of the game, who's ever league, gets to home field advantage in the World Series, but they stopped that a few years ago. Yeah, Personally, I like, thought it was cool to have some type of stakes in it because it obviously matters. Yeah, in, but uh, so think about end, this but, way. So you're, you're Jacob DeGrom. You're not going to be in the freaking World Series. <laughs> 
You could be. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But realistically. There's yeah. a good chance this year. Mets are pretty good this year, but, they you know. Are, but in, just in general. like Yeah, yeah. It depends on like let the light still by the way. I'm the Mets fan. We've we've blown we've blown worse than this. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. or we've blown better than this, rather. So <laughs> um like so let's just assume now you're you're DeGron, you're like realistically, am I gonna be in the World Series? No. So do I care if the National League wins the World Series? Of course not. <laughs> Why would you care at all <laughs> that the National right. League wins? You want you want to win. You know what I mean? So like there needs to be a reason for them to be playing that incentivize incentivizes all of the players that are in the game. I don't know what that is. There may not be anything. And if there's nothing, then you know what? They should cancel it. <laughs> they should do the home run derby, right? Maybe they could do a celebrity game like basketball does. Yeah. They do the celebrity softball. Usually they, they, they shoot it before, but it, it would be after. Yeah, but who's also, in yeah. the celebrity softball, you know, like, uh, a TikToker, <laughs> right? Get someone, Josh get, Richardson, or get whatever. Kevin, get Kevin Hart, and Kevin Hart, of course, get Kevin Hart. He you does the Kevin basketball H- ones, so if you can get him for the baseball ones, people will watch. That's just right. That's just science. Yeah, uh, but it's um, not. It's not like you have Patrick Mahomes coming in or Leonardo which, honestly, DiCaprio. Probably, they probably don't want Patrick Mahomes. He might be better than some of the players, but I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, they should really, if they can't find a way to incentivize players, and this is for basketball too, if they can't find a way to incentivize the players to be, you know, because I mean, the NBA changed a bunch of stuff to, to suit the whims of players too. It used to be East versus West, which makes perfect sense. Yep. Right. And then the problem is too many all-star players ended up on the East mm-hmm. and they're like, no. And then now there's too many on the West and they're like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to share with this person. I want to be the star. So now they start picking just random team captains, two people, and then they pick all the players themselves. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. and they do that. Basically they did that because too many players were like, I'm worth more than sharing with this guy. You know what I mean? Like they were, they were you know, like LeBron's like, I'm not sharing with Steph Curry sort of thing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> those are examples. I have no idea if LeBron James did or didn't say that, but we can, we can assume based around, you know, the time that all this happened, that he yeah, was so probably part just, of the decision. It's just LeBron and they choose who's the other big players. It's only right. been, so LeBron yeah. gets to play against, you know, the, uh, the flavor of the year. Exactly. Who's, who's the trending player. This yeah. year was Giannis. They've right. had Steph and there's one more in there. I don't know if it's James Harden or Kevin Durant, but one of those two. Probably I'm Kevin Durant. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so he's pretty, he's up there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then, you know, and so next time it'll be whoever. Yeah, exactly. And that's not like no one cares. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. not, that's not East versus West. There's nothing for the fans to cheer for. So th- there's got to be a reason for these games to happen. Like I said, in a normal game, there is a reason. You need to win in order to be in the championships. So what, what do we get for this? What, what do we as fans get for investing in this game? What do players get for investing in this game? Because you're saying money, which is fine, but we pay them millions of dollars a year. They don't really need money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a bonus, it's nice. For someone like me and you, a bonus is awesome. But for, you know, a professional athlete, they don't need a bonus. Right. They just don't. I mean, it's nice to have. Now you're telling me they can get it without even doing the <laughs> what they were supposed to. That'd be even nicer if I just got a bonus regardless. You know what I mean? Like, hey, thanks for working here. Here's your bonus. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, 
And you don't have to show up after that. You Sounds like a hedge fund type. Yeah. But, you know, so they don't need the money. Um, so it can't be money. It's got to be like, got to be drafts, draft picks, maybe. Maybe they, I don't know. Yeah. But if you're now, if you're a baseball lightsaber player, battle, a baseball bat lightsaber battle. But now if you're, but so if you're a championship team and it's for draft picks, you're not going to get the first draft pick anyway, unless that's what you do. Unless you take all of the players, like all of the teams that were represented on the winning all-star team, Go into the lottery too, for the first draft pick. Yeah, it you know really I mean? does have to be measured out. But hey, just a long list of what baseball needs to do to be cool again. The last yeah. story I have, Ryan, as we talked mentioned, thirty for thirty, HBO mm-hmm. announced that they're starting a oh, documentary yeah. series, who which happened to be, is which happened to also be created by one of the creators of Thirty for Thirty, Bill Simmons. Mm-hmm. They are launching a music documentary series called music box it's gonna the first one's coming out in july july 23rd and there's gonna be five films this year which i'll um say which ones they are shortly but mm-hmm. like 30 for 30 they're doing recent interesting stories in the music world probably within the last 25 30 years yeah. um, whether it's artists events whatever we're going to see a new documentary series show about you know, various moments in music um, in recent memory. First one that comes out, July 23rd, it's going to be a documentary film about Woodstock 99, infamous yeah. music festival that was intended for peace and love to celebrate Woodstock, so but good. turned out into riots and a lot of crimes taking place. But some of the other stories, that, which I'm even interested to see how that unfolds, but the other stories that are taking place, the films, I should say, is one about Alanis Morissette, you know, famous singer from Canada, huge in the late 90s. Juice World, um, gone too soon, rapper on the rise, sadly died from uh, overdosing on pills to hide mm-hmm. from the police. But I love Juice World. Kenny G, the famous saxophonist. Robert Stingwood, to be honest, I don't know who that is. Do you know who Robert know Stingwood is? No. Hmm. Look it up. But important enough to get a docu- HBO documentary, I guess. Um, Robert Stingwood is an Australian, uh, was an Australian born British resident music entrepreneur, film producer, and impresario. Oh, he uh, was a manager of Cream in the Bee Gees um, and created theatrical, produ- theatrical productions for Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar and yeah. film production for Grease and Saturday Night Fever. That's it. Cream is a super group. BGs are the BGs. Yeah, I think we're reading yeah. the exact same article. And it says on his death, one obituary judged him as the most powerful tycoon in the entertainment inter- industry. Where the quote is Sting would own the record label that issued his artist albums and film soundtracks. And he also controlled the publishing rights. Not since Hollywood Golden Age has so much power and wealth been concentrated in the hands of one mogul. Wow, I'm really <laughs> interested in this doc, actually. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And the last one is DMX. So, Brian, what do you think about this? Simple as that. I mean, it would be interesting to see how this limited run does, this first you know, slot. I think they started off strong with Woodstock. I mean, everybody has like heard about Woodstock 99 and the yeah. catastrophe that that became. Um, and also, there's some really big names who like... <laughs> Are associated with that show. Oh uh, yeah, the whole the big there was a hype type and like new yeah. era like Limp Biscuit, 
corn, Rage Against the Machine, like right. those type of but bands. So, but not even just them. Like, I mean, yes, them. Like, but I mean, Rage Against the Machine, Limp Bizkit, uh, those groups like went on to have or continue to have successful careers. Yeah, Metallica. And they really, yeah, and they really don't want to talk about, yeah, Chili Peppers, another one. They don't really want to talk about the fact that they were, you know, basically the soundtrack to mm-hmm. a lot of violence. Uh, oh, but, man. um, yeah, when you put it so that just, way. <laughs> yeah, so it's just interesting how many like bands that we know today were, you know, are kind of tainted when you really think about it. So they definitely picked yeah, a good one to start. Especially Biscuit, I feel. Yeah. So they they picked a good one to start with. Um I'm not I'm I shouldn't say that. I don't know exactly how this will look. Um if it's a lot of like behind the music vibes like VH1, then I don't think this will do well. Mm-hmm. If it feels somehow like thirty for thirty or like the Jordan docs and thing, uh, yep. doc and things like that, if it, if they can somehow match that, which is like those are just real popular right now, then right. they should probably be fine. But I just like I said, because we did have uh, you know the VH1 behind the music, and we we've had these kind of like documentary you know on music, we've had that. It's not a new genre, so that could be something that hurts them is if it feels a lot like behind the music, which I don't even think is still on um, but, yeah, or something like no. that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if, if it feels kind of corny in that way, um, even if the format's not that way, even if they try and match the format of 30 for 30, exactly. If it just doesn't come across the same way, they could be in trouble. Uh, but um, yeah. I think that this is probably one of the ways where ESPN helps. Mm-hmm. is that people watch ESPN for sports. Music is very personalized. It's very niche. People like certain things and dislike other things uh, based sometimes just on the day. Um, right. So that could be difficult to uh, finding like, where's the audience? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. what do Woodstock 99 fans and fans of the Bee Gees have in common? <laughs> You know, or like DMX and uh, Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette, exactly. Like, it's funny. You will say these all all very different docs, right? I say so, that. and I I'm, and that's what I'm just saying. Like that's that again. Thirty for thirty. Sports fans are a special breed. They're sports fans, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would say that there's probably a good chance that you make a good, you know, make good quality stuff. There will be sports fans around just to watch them all with, you know, again, DMX, Lennox Morissette, that's actually probably the perfect example. Uh, <laughs> maybe they'll make the case as to how they're similar. Right. But uh, I could see that being difficult, but if they hit it, I out of the park, especially on that first one. And I'm sure they spend a lot of time in that first one. They'll probably be fine. You know, I really feel, especially now with filmmaking in general and documentary filmmaking, as long as you have the money and resources, it's really yeah. hard to make a bad documentary with the technology we have on. Have on you all seen three... 790 Donald Trump documentaries that exist on Amazon? Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. It There's there's, of course, people who just don't care, just want to put an agenda, hence not creating a narrative. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I feel especially the fact that you do have creators of the 30 for 30 making this. I think mm-hmm. they will transfer just fine. It is HBO who has a humongous reputation. Yeah. I don't think if they put it, they would put this out if it was bad. And yeah, I really just want to see where this grows. So nice six. I'm just wondering, besides the Woodstock one, are there any ones of those five that really stick with like you? Like Woodstock? 
No, no, I mean like of the the topics and the oh, well, I mean, and stuff like they all said they were all interesting in their own way. I mean, obviously DMX and Alanis Marset. I feel like those two only so I could compare them now at this mm-hmm. point would be kind of fun to watch. Uh, but Alanis Morissette was really, I mean, she was huge know, in the nineties. She was like, and she, she was tied she up was... in uh not tied up, but like, she was like kind of uh, a product of like the, uh, what does he call it with the, with the women? And like the, what if God was one of us? That was one like, of the songs. She was caught up in that type of like that era, like that, yeah, what, like I'm, the, it up. and then DMX also, he came up at a very interesting time during like hip hop and rap's rise. Yeah, and he's very vulgar. Very vulgar rapper too. He, well, yeah, but that's not even. Uh... So the, yeah, Lilith Fair, which was a, a tour of traveling music that was founded by Sarah McLachlan. But um, oh, I've heard of that. There's like a type of like music now too. It's like it's almost got its own sub sound. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a lot of women and you know kind of the guitar and all the thing, but she was kind of like a breakout from that. So, you know, women's issues being, you know, critically important nowadays too. I could see that being the lens with which they cover Alanis Morissette. And again, DMX, yeah. same way. And also know, rise for, of hip hop for in, people who were the biggest names in the, in their genre at the time. And, you know, yeah. are they now? Yeah, and like I said, DMX, same thing uh, as her, kind of a breakout from this like grungy underground rap kind of, you know, mold and had to take that and bring it into a mainstream audience that didn't look like didn't look like DMX, just like she had to break it. I'm literally I'm literally convincing myself that they have the same story. Uh, uh, So I think those are both interesting because they can both talk about some interesting social uh, stuff. Woodstock 99, obviously, even without any current social connection, it's just an interesting story. Uh, this Robert Stingwood, don't know anything about him. Uh, so I don't know what that's going to be like. And I don't know what else you said. But um, what is Juice World? And... I, so Juice World is popular right now. And this will be a hot take. I think a lot of people will watch that one. And it'll be the one that's, that's the least take? remembered. Oh, no. oh, uh, this is. I thought that was a hot ticket. It's going to be highly rated. Um, no, but it's going to have a lot of viewership and it's going to be probably the most forgettable. Um, in terms of what? In terms of when people think about this series. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, oh, sorry. I meant it, like, like, why do you say that? I should say. Uh, just unfortunately, because of the brevity of his career. Um, yeah. A lot of like, potential. Well, right. And so a lot of potential. You can say a lot of potential about everybody that's ever existed. Um, I happen to agree from the limited knowledge I have all of it gained by the way, after he died. Um, but in general, like a, st- the st- a story about how this rapper was going to be big. Trust me. That does, that's not as interesting a story as like mm-hmm. DMX, a rapper who was, you know, was big period. Yeah. DMX was big and it was big again when it didn't really make sense for someone like him to be big, vulgar and things like that. Like, you know what I mean? He he just took off at a time that was hard for you know a rapper to take off, um, right. and so I would say that Juice World. I I, I mean I, we know the narrative. We know that the narrative is going to be, and I, I say narrative. I don't mean it to be disrespectful, but it's a story. Every story has a narrative. If they're yeah. telling a story without a point, then you're not telling a story. You're just listing facts. Um, mm-hmm. So the narrative is going to be about you know the lost potential 
about, you know, the tragic, you know, the tragic end to what could have been one of the greatest rappers. Right. But because there's no way to prove that story, it's just not going to, I mean, it'll be good. It's just not going to be remembered. You know what I mean? Yes. The same way. Cause as we get further and further away from his, you know, from his death, people will know him less and less. You know what I mean? He can't make new music. He can't achieve any, really any level of stardom beyond like cult, cult favorite uh, because he just isn't around, unfortunately. So I feel like, again, this is, that's where the hot take comes in, by the way, not that it'll be highly rated. Yeah. It will be highly rated because he's very, very relevant to right now, to our current times. Right. Very popular right now, but it's just not, I think when we, if this is a successful series, Five minutes. it'll, uh, that's what'll be, that'll be the problem. If it's it, right. for, for that, sh- that, that'll be the low point of the show in terms of like longevity. People are not going to rewatch the Juice World one, I think. But a lot of people will watch it the first time. And I guess the last one is Kenny G, the saxophonist. I'd play his yeah, music, but then I'd get a copyright at, um, mark and we couldn't hear it anyways. And yeah, uh, I mean, I, don't, I mean, that'll be, I'd take it. Because it'll be about how do you Kenny make G, the saxophone cool? Yeah, Kenny G might actually be. Cause it's the saxophone might actually be the least, the least popular one. I take back what I just said. <laughs> hey, I saw a cameo. So he'll make you a personal song for $600. I mean, that's pretty cool. I would just watch that. People send <laughs> Kenny G like song specifics and then he goes ahead and makes it for you. My last question is, is there any other like music stories throughout recent history you'd be interested in whether like a Napster, um, the rise of Spotify and Apple music. Um, I mean, Napster is a good one. Um, but anyone in particular, the whatever happened to soldier boy, <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> conservator like, of a uh, pretty serious. Well, I guess that well, that'll, add, that'll be, that'll be something for sure. But, um, I wonder if they're going to cover the, uh, the Amy Winehouse stuff. Oh, that has to be. You gotta um, do that. They did do a great. There is stuff too. There is a great documentary about her that's on Netflix. But you know, oh yeah, no, I've seen that. On that. But um, I think that could be something. I almost wonder, and I don't know if we've ever really told the story. Um, if we did David Grohl from you know being a member of Nirvana and like having that be. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, when you join a band like Nirvana and you break big, you probably assume like that's your career. That's your shot. Right? Most people don't go twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, to follow that story, David Grohl from Nirvana through to, I mean, I mean, not, he's even above Foo Fighters now. He's David Grohl. Yeah, he's, he's, just, our, he's the face of, he's the face of uh, Foo Fighters. He got the first concert, first full yeah, but concert. Even Foo Fighters, like he's just, he is. He's rock. He's kind of rock and roll. He's like he's the last rock, rock god. He's yeah. the last oh, rock star. The very yeah. last rock star of all time. That's a that's that's the title right there. That's the title exactly. Yeah. The so last to go from rock you know star. drummer of Nirvana to have that you know end just kind of crushingly, and then to rebuild with the Foo Fighters and reach the status of you know the last rock god mm-hmm. is kind of like I think that's an interesting story. I would definitely watch that one. Um, and again, if you do it while he's alive, you can get David Grohl to talk about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, he's the pretty much the face of rock when you think of it. And uh, he I mean, like you said, he they got the first Foo Fighters was the very first concert in Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. with people back. There's something to that after yeah, yeah. the historic pandemic. And I guess we'll have to see, you know, there's this one YouTube channel called <laughs> Rock and Roll Stories. I've seen that. You show me that one, actually. Yeah, pretty much. uh 
I hope Music Box doesn't just take all their ideas because there's some <laughs> interesting stuff that they do. And it's only 10 minutes. And well, super uh, groups it, could be fun too, but they, they wouldn't be able to do that because it's yeah. too many uh, so, different groups. But super groups are a fun concept. Exactly. No doubt it is. And, you know, we have some fun in store. And um, with that, as we wrap it up, a lot of fun here. Don't forget to check out the tweet cap. You can follow them at TT tweet cap on Twitter. Ryan, you have any final words? Uh, no, make sure you keep listening to productive conversations podcast. Uh, comes out twice a week, at least uh, got some more coming down the, uh, coming down the works here. So definitely keep, um, keep in touch. Uh, Feel free to contact either one of us on Twitter, on social, on YouTube, you name it. And if you want to hear a recap of what we talked about here on Productive Conversations podcast, that comes out every Sunday at the Tweet Cap, um, at the Tweet Cap on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere you find your podcasts. All right. Excellent stuff. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, Ryan. Thank you so much. And uh, you stay the way you are. Have a great night, Ryan. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Matt. Ryan Page, you always do a great job. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for another great edition of the Tweet Cap. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out all exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So it was a great week. We talked basketball yesterday with my NBA crew. We talked about cool things in life and partying and a good attitude and lifestyle with Chris Booman. We're back here on Tuesday, not Monday, but Tuesday, with Alex Young talking about the Major League Baseball season up until this point. And then we are going to just take the rest of the week off, and we're back on Monday after that, which is July 19th. Oh, yes. So good times ahead. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Be sure to be safe, do the right thing, make good decisions, and enjoy. It's a summer weekend. It's going to be a weekend in July. Let's make the most of it. And having said that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I'll see you back here on Tuesday. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. Peace.